right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. We're recording here uh, for the Wednesday, February 2nd episode, uh, episode number 39. We are, we're set, the Super Bowl set. We've been absolutely spoiled by some unbelievable football, uh, and we are going to be uh, with, a, with a bye week here, we'll call it, I guess, in the playoffs. we got the uh, Pro Bowl coming up. Uh, so we're going to do our Super Bowl primer episode next week on episode number 40. So this week, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a rewind. We're going to go back in time, and we're going to focus on some of the uh, some of the best players from the fantasy season, and we're going to hand out some fantasy awards coming up right away. So we're going to go through our nominations this, this episode, and then we'll uh, hand out those awards on episode number 40 as well. So before we get started today, uh, we'll throw it over to our co-hosts and uh, check in on them, and then we'll start talking a little bit of fantasy. So we'll start it off with Armand. Armand, how are we doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Loving this uh, blizzard that we got blowing through. I wish I was in uh, was able to hit the slopes a little bit more because, wow, that would be uh, some nice powder to, to go through either with a snowmobile or on my snowboard or even cross-country skis, but unfortunately i got other things keeping me inside but uh you know i'd rather talk football anyways yeah i'm, I'm with you on that one zach uh, i'm sure the weather isn't much uh, much different in uh, saskatoon today no you would think that we're so much closer to the equator that it'd be nice and sunny here but uh no it's pretty nasty out here in saskatoon <laughs> almost needed my tauntaun there from star wars to get to home after work it's <laughs> brutal they were cars going left to right when they should have been going uh north and south so wasn't a pretty drive home we were um i was uh just finishing up my day at uh, saint mary today finishing work uh we had pd day today and doing some meetings and whatnot and i'm driving out of work in my truck and whatever i'm putting a four-wheel drive not a problem and i see one of my co-workers and one of our football staff guys he's stuck in his little car out front so I'm like, oh, I'll just U-ball, rip back, and give him a push. So give him a push out of the snowbank, and he goes probably about 20 feet. I get back in my truck. He's stuck again 20 feet up. So I jump out of the truck, push him again to the intersection, thinking, oh, he's good. Get back in my truck. He's stuck. Got to push him through the intersection so he can get on some concrete. It was all oh, it was. If there was two cars that were just parked on the side of the road watching us, and I was like, if they just, like, just absolute comedy act of me pushing this guy down the street. But, yeah, it's uh, it's ugly out there. So. Wherever you are, hopefully, um, hopefully you got a snowblower. I'll tell you that much. So clear out some snow, and you're not spending 18 hours with a shovel and a sore back here in the next couple of days because it doesn't look like this is going to be letting up anytime soon. But um, like like Armin had said, though, hit the nail on the head. Cold, cold, miserable weather outside means we got to sit inside and talk football. So I'm I'm okay with that. Um, like uh, I mentioned at the top of the episode there. Uh, the Super Bowl is set. Uh, obviously, we have the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I'm going to be at home uh, in Los Angeles. That's where the Super Bowl was predetermined to be at. So it's kind of cool that in back-to-back seasons, we are seeing the uh, the team being able to play at the home stadium. That's uh, It doesn't happen that often, so pretty neat for it to happen back-to-back seasons. Uh, and they're going to be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll talk a little bit more about that shortly. But... Um, First thing I want to mention off is we have two winners already predetermined for our, our charity bracket challenge. There's going to be quite a few people still battling for that third spot, but we got Joey Carrier and we got Robbie Gates who are tied with 10 correct guesses so far, which is incredibly impressive. 
in a very, very bizarre uh, NFL playoff season so far. Um, and this is going to be uh, an interesting one. It's all on the line. Joey has the Bengals to win the Super Bowl and Robbie has the Rams. So whoever gets it right is going to win the charity bracket challenge and their first pick at uh, a signed jersey. But congratulations to both of them. They're both going to be uh, taking home a signed jersey regardless. Then we have uh, kind of a log jam of five people with eight points. We got Lucas Wells, Kyle Kremchinski, Cody Upton, uh, our friend there from the NC Squared podcast. Uh, we have Averly Gare and myself. We're all tied at eight. Now I got to go do a deep dive because I'm pretty sure two or three of us have the Rams winning the Super Bowl. So we have the possibility to jump from eight to nine, but uh, then it com comes down to, um, I think it's going to be the Super Bowl point differential, which I'm pretty sure myself and Avery both have uh, the Rams winning it. And I think there might be one other. So, so there could be a log jam for that third place, but uh, regardless, it was a lot of fun and, um, <laughs> and uh, we appreciate everybody doing their part towards charity and, and three people are going to be taking home some assigned memorabilia in the meantime. So congratulations. And we'll, uh, we'll recap, recap that after the Super Bowl. Um, one other thing here I want to mention, and we've been holding this one tight to the chest for about a week now, as we've been uh, in the midst of planning it and kind of getting excited over this one. Uh, obviously we talked about the Super Bowl prop bets we'll be having here during the Super Bowl, which we'll be releasing sometime early next week. Uh, I can't remember if it's $20 or $25 for an entry. We have three incredible prizes for that. A signed Mark Andrews mini helmet, uh, tight end number one this season from the Baltimore Ravens. We also have a signed Clyde Edwards-Alaire jersey, uh, round one pick from the, uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs signed jersey. And then we also have uh, Adam Troutman, a sophomore sensation tight end. Uh, he was, there's a lot of hype on him coming in this season and a lot of hype coming up for him in the upcoming season here as well. From the new orleans saints so we got three awesome products there but then the thing that we've been holding tight to the chest that we are really excited to announce is uh that in prince albert here at the rock trout event center uh they are going to be hosting a 306 fantasy football uh super bowl watch party so we are really excited about that to be able to have everybody come down and watch the watch the super bowl with the 306 fantasy football podcast um, another charity event here. Um, so it's going to be going towards a great cause. We're going to have 50 fifties. There's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be good times, um, games on projectors and TVs. And, uh, I don't know if you've been down at the event center there. Uh, it used to be rock trout cafe. Uh, they've turned it into an event center since, but it is an awesome establishment, awesome building. And we're also going to be, uh, we're, we're fortunate enough to have some really awesome prizes for a raffle table. Um, I'm not going to get into all of them right now because I don't want to give them all away, but we've got, uh, we just got our hands on a signed Chase Claypool Jersey. We got a signed David Johnson Jersey. Uh, I know at the bolt supply house here in Prince Albert, they're going to be donating some Milwaukee products. So some awesome prizes there. We've got uh, gift cards for landscaping. We've got lots of different other sponsorship opportunities. So there's going to be tons of prizes for raffles, 50, 50 opportunities. It's going to be an awesome event, awesome prizes. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be a good time to, uh, to appreciate some good football. So uh, I don't, uh, I know there's lots of people in Prince Albert. They'll be checking it out. Some buddies from, from Saskatoon, but uh, all are welcome for uh, the very first ever uh, Super Bowl watch party hosted by the Rock Trout Event Center. So uh, we've been, we've been pretty excited to, uh, to tell everybody about that one. So if you uh, come one, come all, and obviously come, uh, come participate in the Super Bowl and be able to be able to enjoy it the right way with 306 Fantasy Football Podcast.
Oh yeah, it's gonna be a great time, everybody. Make sure you come out. That's um our our buddies they in a band they used to have their band play there, and uh, it's it's a great place, great vibes, and um and I mean it doesn't get much better than hanging out and watching the Super Bowl together. So it's gonna be I would say for me especially one of the first things I'm gonna be doing that's gonna feel like real life in this quote unquote post pandemic feel like you can kind of feel the restrictions starting to alleviate a little bit. So it's gonna be one of the first things that I'll be participating in that's gonna have that um back back to normal type feel obviously we still have to follow COVID-19 protocols through SASC health uh, protocols etc through the event center but at least it's going to have an opportunity to appreciate football and kind of be able to to do that with friends and and uh and maybe get my hands on some some solid gifts or solid prizes through their raffle table I know I might uh might have to slap down a couple a couple bills on that uh, Chase Claypool jersey to try and take that one home for sure I'll tell you um but regardless if you want more information on that we'll be posting stuff on our social media uh feel free to dm us i can answer any questions you may have but uh some more information will be posted here in the next couple days um segueing us perfect in setters and headliners like i mentioned the uh, super bowl is set i will be diving into that game a little bit uh, on the next episode but we have the four seed rams coming out of the nfc and the four seed Bengals coming out of the afc so it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a fun football game. And I was actually kind of talking to some buddies here. And I'm just interested to see if you guys are thinking similarly too. But this is probably the best year, I think, if your actual NFL team isn't in it. I feel like this has got to be one of the more fun years to watch the Super Bowl because there's no controversy of like, oh, I don't want this team to win. It's just, it doesn't sound like anybody's going to be upset if either team wins. You know, you got the young team of the Bengals, fun to participate, fun to watch. And then you got the story of Matthew Stafford and the Rams and, and uh, that organization, I think it's just, I don't think there's anybody that's like, you know, I hope this team doesn't win. And just, you know, this, it'll be a fun football game and just a fun, fun, uh, fun time all around, I think. You know, I, I feel the same way. And the, the playoffs in general have been that way. Like my Vikings didn't make it, your team didn't make it. And, Jackson you know, we've been having, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, we've been having fun this whole time watching it, right? Like in our group chat, we're just constantly messaging each other because it's been so exciting. It's edge of your feet, seat football. I don't remember it ever being this exciting all the way through the playoffs. It's, it's awesome football to watch and it's exciting to watch. I just hope they're not setting us out for a snooze of a Super Bowl. But regardless, I'm going to be having fun. Going to be, uh, I know we'll be down there, Armin. We'll have to be rocking our limitless gear stuff. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I mentioned before, I said, if Stafford loses, I cry. If Stafford wins, I cry. It's going to be, <laughs> when they, when they pan to uh, Matthew and Kelly there, uh, I don't know if, I mean, not maybe people may follow along with uh, the saga of Matthew Stafford, but uh, his wife was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years back and had to go through a 12 hour brain surgery and had to relearn how to walk. So it's been a difficult couple of years here for that family. So to be able to like pano to her after they won and stuff while I was getting kind of emotional on the couch after all my emotional investment into Matthew Stafford here. So I said, uh, I made a joke. I actually put it on Twitter. I said, if this is how, if this is how emotional and excited I'm going to get, over Matthew Stafford making a Super Bowl. We're going to be in untreaded waters here <laughs> if the Lions ever make it. But yeah, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to, oh, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine if uh, if the Lions ever did, but uh, congratulations, Stafford. I'm so pumped for him. Um, this one, 
this is, I, this is really the only piece of insiders and headliners we have lined up to talk about today, but what happened on the weekend? We, we talked about, it, I think the day before, right, Zach, in our group chat. Yeah, I think we talked about it. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, maybe. Yeah. It was both that. Well, it's, it might be coming down the pipeline. You know, the, his agent is looking for new opportunities. And, and I know that was something that you proposed to the table there in our group chat, Zach, but Tom Brady retires. I'll put quote unquote, um, we're on our way to Costco Saturday. And all of a sudden I'm talking to my father-in-law saying, you know, I, it could be coming here. We're doing a lot of looking into it. And it sounds like an announcement might be coming sometime early next week. And then not even 40 minutes later in Costco, all of a sudden I get a notification, Tom Brady's retired. It's like, oh my goodness, that came quick. That's crazy. And then about an hour later, it was like, yeah, I've never retired. I haven't made a decision yet. So it, it was like so crazy and whirlwind of looking at these tweets and the reactions. And, and first of all, it was really cool to see all the reactions and the posts and the comments and videos of Tom Brady and who is obviously has one of the most historic careers in NFL history. Uh, I can't imagine anybody touches that, but um, I just, I just, I don't know. This is my two cents. I would find it so funny and so plausible that Tom Brady comes back for one more year, just out of complete spite of Adam Schefter. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I could see that. Um, and like everywhere you look, there's still pictures saying thanks for the career, Tom and stuff like that. And um, glorifying him and stuff. And, yeah, it's like, uh, I'm pretty sure he said he wasn't uh, decided yet. And, you know, one thing that uh, that I saw that kind of makes me think he could come back too is I saw a post by him um, where he was referring um, back to Kobe Bryant, um, talking about how, like, uh, if you love the game, like, take every opportunity you can to play the game kind of thing. And especially in this uh pandemic world that we live in right um it, it would be tough if if he still has the ability to play for him to walk away and I can definitely see that so um that's something he's probably thinking about too and he's thinking about whether or not he wants to retire what do you figure Zach I know you've always got an inside scoop on TB12 so the the theory or the, yeah the conspiracy rather that I saw today was um over the last few months or whatever uh, Brady's been filming and releasing a documentary on ESPN called uh, Man in the Arena, I believe. Yeah. Um, so the conspiracy goes that he recorded the final episode where he retires on the episode. <clears throat> and uh, the conspiracy goes that uh, somebody caught or watched a advanced screening of it or was part of the production of it. And they leaked that news to fellow ESPN employee Schefter. And then one thing led to the other. Uh, Schefter releases that information on Saturday after Saturday afternoon and the rest is history. So that's the, that's the latest conspiracy that I know, know of, but uh, I agree with both of you guys. It wouldn't be, out of the ordinary or, or the unexplained to see Brady do something out of spite, uh, whether it's, you know, against Schefter or just um, against the establishment itself, uh, ruining that announcement for him. So that moment. Yeah. 
going out in your we thought we kind of laughed about it too about the big bang going to be in the shadows now forever on retiring on the same, <laughs> almost the same day what it seems like i think it was two days apart or something like that but yeah not being able to go out your own way um it, it honestly it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't retire because of it comes back wins a super bowl and is like you know what throws the birds up and it's like now i'm out this is my mm-hmm. way of going out. you know like i would be willing to put money on it like it's just like it it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because he still got it at he wanted to play till 45 and coming off of arguably an mvp season an mvp caliber season like he still got it and one more year isn't gonna all of a sudden snap your fingers and he just loses the ability to play football so it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest yeah and you know a lot of people they don't like to do things when people tell them to do it either right uh for example when i was a teenager if I was going to clean my room on the weekend and I was like, yeah, I'm going to clean it. And then I get home Friday night and my parents are like, you're going to clean your room this weekend. I was like, hmm. no, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've had a change of heart. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could see that happening too. Right. Like just, I want to control it. I want to be in control of the narrative. I it's, it's my life. I, I deserve the opportunity to be the one that breaks this to the world. Not Adam Schefter. At the same time, though, if Giselle claps her hands, though, you got, like, you listen. <laughs> He's not saying no to Giselle. Come on. Happy wife, happy life. Tom's not stupid. Um, I, That's one thing I think is going to be really interesting to follow along because he did say he was going to take quite a bit of time to make this decision with his family. And, Zach, I, I like the comment you made last episode that's, you know, you, you got to let the emotion settle. Obviously, that was a tough loss. Tough, like, you were arguably Super Bowl favorites, and you go out that way. You got to let the emotion settle. You can't make the rash decision and be like, yeah, I'm, in, I'm done. It's over, which is why I was kind of surprised that all of a sudden it came that quick. Big Ben moves came out two, three days prior, but it was well known. He kind of made the comment several weeks left in the regular season that, you know, this is probably my last go at, go at, go at the game here. I'm going to, and I'm going to walk away from it where Tom hasn't really made mention of that. The season ends and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take some time to make the decision. And then seemingly a week later, it was like, yeah, yeah, I'm done which was kind of shocking, I thought. So I think if we do maybe hear news, I think it might be a little bit down the road here, but uh, Zach's conspiracy theory of Twitter there or the inside scoop wouldn't surprise me in the slightest either. So, cause uh, I have, I don't know if you, have you guys watched any of those uh, episodes yet? No, I haven't. I've been, been looking forward to watching it when it's all, all said and done. And so you kind of just hammer it out in a row. Yeah. I'll skip the 2007 episode and just keep on moseying. <laughs> yeah, shed, shed a tear. We'll bring back Brian if you want. He can probably tell you more about it. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> um, yeah, probably like, there's a little bit of insider, a little bit of news we can talk about, you know, like a couple coaching hires, but we're gonna keep it short and sweet this week. Just that one kind of seemed like it was the biggest hot topic. And we got a lot of talk, uh, content here to, in the back end to kind of push through. So uh, we'll go through the weekly recap. We have the Bengals versus the Chiefs. Uh, was I would say another instant classic. Like it was another incredible football game. Um, Bengals just about are out of reach with two seconds left. Tyreek Hill gets the ball, doesn't get to either out of bounds or in the, in the end zone. Second uh, quarter comes to an end and they are up 11 points. Cincinnati being down 11, obviously Um, they make the comeback. They tied up the two pointer. They kick the, uh, kick the field goal to go ahead three points. KC marches the field somehow in two plays, loses like 30-some yards on multiple sacks. 
kicked the field goal. We're going overtime. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Quarterback. Uh, I should say quarterback more overtime coin flip controversy. Here we go. KC wins the coin flip. Uh, Bengals guess incorrectly. Game's over. Like when they won that coin flip, or I should say when the Bengals lost the coin flip, and then Casey elects to take the ball. Did you guys hear how loud Arrowhead got? It was like the game was over. They were like, yeah, it's over. Start the bus. It's done. And then Eli Apple could walk the pick six in and end the game on on the second right there. And Eli Apple doing very Eli Apple <laughs> things. Uh, we're on to what, second down or third down, I think, at that point. Uh, takes a shot downfield to Tyree Kill, pick. And the rest is history. They marched the field and uh, another game-winning field goal. So it, it was a very, very entertaining game. Back and forth. This game seemed like it had it all. It was exciting. It was thrilling. But uh, the one thing I'm curious if it had, much the same as the last one, was the Joe Burrows and, uh, and McPherson conversation of, hey, guess what? I'm going to go kick this field goal. We're going to the Super Bowl. Because if you don't remember – uh, in the divisional game, they had the same situation. And before he even lined up for the 52-yarder, McPherson goes up to uh, Burrow and says, hey, I guess we're going to the FC uh, Championship, eh? And he goes and kicks a 52-yarder, and the rest is history. So uh, did you guys happen to see if the comments came out, if he did it again, or is the, or was it kind of the writing was on the wall when you only had to put up a 32-yarder? I don't know, but uh, I always enjoy in, in overtime when the team that has the second possession is in that same uh, scenario where they can just kick the field goal. Cause I'm always curious if the team's going to use all three downs or if they're going to settle for, yeah, about a 30 yard field goal, if they're going to go for the touchdown. Uh, I think that that discussion's very interesting and, and seeing what different coaches do, I always find intriguing. I think it says a lot about the coaches personality and their, their thoughts and opinions on their offense and their ability to protect the football. Like they, they chipped right. away 20, 30 yards, like pretty quickly that play when Higgins picked up on, I think it was first down and he gets nine or six yard reception, kept his feet moving. He had three or four guys on him for the extra three yards, second and one. And then I think it was mixed and punched out about 12 yards right after that. And mm-hmm. that was pretty well the icing on the cake, but to, and then he mixed and handled the ball a couple more times after than just having confidence that he's not going to lose that because it'd have been pretty easy to settle for a 40 yarder, but chips away another about 10 yards. And I think it ended up being like a 30 yard or 29 yard or something like that. Yeah. I think they were yeah first and 10 from just outside the red zone and, or maybe just inside the red zone. And they ended up, you know, taking a knee to get on the right, on the proper hash and yeah. getting in the right spot. Whereas things were rolling for them. They could have, you know, played for a touchdown maybe, but then you're putting the ball just in harm's way more than you have to. Right. Yeah, I agree. It was, man, that game was so much fun. And it it was so funny. If you looked at Twitter, it was like, here we go. Here's another Twitter controversy about people raging about uh, overtime rules. And I just still think, you know what? It doesn't matter. If if you change the rule to make that more exciting, like that game was obviously exciting as it gets. But as soon as like, as soon as Mahomes throws that pick, now all of a sudden Burrow is lining up on the 20 yard line, ready to, uh, ready to ice the game or, you know, like it's, I still think that like it, and it, it ended in an exciting way, but um, they, regardless, people are going to be complaining, defense, whatever, offense to this and that. But man, that was that was such a fun football game to watch. Like I was I was thoroughly entertained, and 
we uh, we talked about how much fun would it be if the Bengals actually did beat them and the young team um, showing shock in the world a little bit and, and going on the Super Bowl and that young team, like they're they're legit. If they draft an O-line, that team is going to be scary good next year. And we're going to be talking about this team, I think, for years to come, like we've been talking about Kansas City because that was just – that was a lot of fun and that is a very young, talented football team with a, a solid core around them. I saw something too. It was um, that Joe Burrow is the first time. It's the first time ever a quarterback was taken first overall and has taken a team to the Super Bowl in the first two years. So no team has ever turned around that quick. He's also the first quarterback ever to win the Heisman or could be, sorry, it hasn't happened yet, but he could be the first quarterback ever to win the Heisman and then win a national championship and win a Super Bowl. No quarterback has ever, or no player has ever done that before. So Joe Burrow's uh, set up for a little bit of destiny here very, very early on in his career. And one last thing about the game. Um, I'm certainly not a, a Chiefs enthusiast, um, so I always like to see them struggle a little bit. Um, I thought it was pretty sweet seeing the Lamar Hunt trophy presented to the visiting team when the Lamar Hunt trophy is named after the uh, founder of the Kansas city chiefs. Zach is always a well of knowledge. One thing that I was not privy to, I, I didn't actually did not know that. On the, on the social media side of those games, first off, you guys see all the uh, shooter McPherson memes and everything. Yeah. Oh. Time. <laughs> He's loading the gun on his arm and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, that, those are good. Those have been a nice a little bright spot to my uh, feed. But then did you guys see uh, Apple throwing shade at Tyreek Hill, calling him a baby? Yeah. I saw the headline on Bleacher Report this morning. I didn't read the article or whatever, but I saw the headline. Yeah, yeah and it's like Eli Apple relax. Like yeah. you went through several years of irrelevance in the NFL. <laughs> like you just need to calm down for a bit here. Every, every time I think I hear his name, it's usually in a negative way. Yeah. I mean, granted, playing defensive back in the NFL, when you get burnt, you're going to hear the name. But, you know, I never hear Jalen Ramsey's name really said that negatively in play. Um, so, you know, Eli Apple, calm down. It's uh, one of the fastest and best <laughs> wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Another piece of fun social media. Did you see um... – Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow's dad smoking a cigar together, you know, like father oh, yeah. and son. They had them out tailgating, smoking guards. Like, yeah, oh, that's good stuff. They're they're living the moment. I I got a few Cincinnati Bengals fans, actually um, more than I actually knew about, but um, they're they're enjoying this moment because if you told them this last year when they were the worst team in the NFL, or two years ago I should say when they were the worst team in the NFL, and then. Joe Burrow blowing his knee and maybe not being back in time for this season. And there, there was no way that you could have guessed this. And as a, as a struggling team to be able to come out and have some fun, you gotta be enjoying the moments. Like my, one of my cousins now, I would, it's my fiance's cousin, but got quite close with their family. He's a huge Bengals fan and he was in Mexico during it. So texted him and said, Oh man, like enjoy the moment kind of thing. It's the quick LFG text with an exclamation <laughs> mark there. And uh, we get a video back and he's like in Mexico sipping on a drink and having a good time and uh, uh, good buddy, like lots of, like lots of people you just see on their social media and enjoying it too. And i um, trying to think um, going through a couple of the other like text messages or, or Instagram posts and stuff. I've seen that where guys are 
guys are enjoying it and and um yeah like i like i said going back to it if if uh, if the lines were in this uh we'd be seeing a totally different side of jordy you think you think you hear enough lines talk already you'd be uh you'd be shocked to see that uh that that well will not run out if the lines ever made a playoff <laughs> run but another uh another guy too that i went to uh kin games with uh steven horrell he's a he's always been a big since he found lots checking out lots of games too so uh, I'm sure there, uh, and he's obviously, he was in our charity, charity league this year too. So shout out to him, enjoy the moment and enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, second game in, uh, in this one too, was a fun one. Um, I think it was, well, for me, obviously it was a lot closer than I anticipated. I actually texted in our group chat too, halfway through. I was like, yeah, you guys, I'm nervous. Like this is literally, we talked about the podcast was this is how San Francisco needed this game to go if they had a chance. And um, I don't think the Rams ever did get a sack in the game. Even that pick at the end, um was obviously an interception wasn't marked to the sack so I don't I think the entire game without one single sack which that's got to be a prop bet to win on itself there but um that game ended up the Rams uh icing it on the last second interception Jimmy Garoppolo kind of doing Jimmy Garoppolo things unfortunately that's probably gonna be the last play ever uh for Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers jersey I would anticipate uh but it seems very fitting for how that fan base perceives Jimmy Garoppolo at least but uh, any any big takeaways you think from this game as we lead into the Super Bowl? None uh, for me. What? None for you? No. Well, uh, the the Rams have pulled out victories when uh, they haven't performed very well, which shows you that they are fairly resilient and everything. But uh, um, they're they could be a lot better than what they have been doing. So if they leave the door open for the Bengals like they did against the 49ers, um, I think the Bengals are going to be able to capitalize on it way better than than the Niners did. It was loud in there too, like for both sides of football. <laughs> Obviously, oh, yeah. California special. It was it was loud, but that was a that was a fun game too. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about obviously the Rams versus Bengals in the next episode here between the two of them and a little bit of breakdown. But uh, yeah, it's uh been in very very entertaining football and i just hope that hope it doesn't stop here as we progress into the upcoming super bowl in los angeles um studs of the week uh i just talked about them a little bit uh, I, I wanted to take matthew stafford but i'm going to save that for the super bowl i'm going to foreshadow a little bit there but so i'm taking uh, cooper cup wide receiver from the los angeles rams uh he had another incredible game the guy's unstoppable 11 receptions 142 yards and two scores uh if you're playing fan duel uh, he put up 31.5 points for you uh, and surpassing 3.2 times his value, which is absolutely bananas, seeing as he was by far the most expensive player that you could have purchased, including quarterbacks. Uh, he was at 9,700, if I remember correctly, and surpassed nine time, nine, sorry, 3.2 times his value. So Cooper Cup, keep playing the way you are. Uh, you can continue on your historical season by hopefully lifting the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year if you keep at the pace you're going here. So my set of the week, Los Angeles Rams wide receiver, Cooper Cup. Zach? So my stud this week is Debo Samuel, put up 17.8 half-point PPR points, uh, four receptions, 72 yards on the score, and then 26 yards on the ground. Um, honestly, a pretty pedestrian game uh, for what we've seen from Samuel this season. But the reason I brought this up, uh, it's – one of the last times we'll be talking about Samuel after this week. Um, it's interesting to me, at least, uh, playing in several leagues on my fantasy league. Uh, every year, 
towards the or in the offseason, MFL will change the designation of some players. And it's quite common with uh, IDP or, or defensive players, but sometimes they change the designation of offensive players. Um, I'm quite interested to see if this offseason they add the running back designation to Debo, which in my opinion would make him a much more valuable piece, being able to play him in two spots. I know it'd make a big, big difference uh, for me in one of my leagues. Uh, a little bit shallower at the running back spot and quite deep at the receiver spot and being able to put him at the receivers or at the running back spot rather would be a huge get for me. Especially if that happens overnight, like if you just don't have to invest in him and you just suddenly wake up and oh, there it is. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a few times where I've gotten lucky or I've gotten unlucky where a defensive lineman gets designated a linebacker uh, typically D linemen that produce are harder to find linebackers, not so much, or maybe a safety becomes a, becomes a corner and that's good because they get more tackles. So, um, I'm always interested to see the MFL, uh, designation changes when they come out. And I got my fingers crossed that, uh, I can be looking forward to a dual designation for Samuel in the coming season just puts a little bit of salt in the wound there. I traded Debo this past off season in a deal that included Cooper cup as well too, which <laughs> we've talked about the trade a little bit a few times now I've got JT, but I'm very thin in that league. Same as Zach had mentioned as the running back position. So Debo having the season he had, and then be able to plug him into your running back position after is just be a kick in the nuts. I think at this point now of just adding more salt to the wound, but um he he had an incredible season like when we talked about him we talked about him a few times in the offseason there we talked about him in the in the scott fish uh episode we talked about this in the draft season episode just a guy that was kind of written off especially in the shadows of brandon Ayuk, who's being drafted in that uh fourth fifth round and and uh kind of forgotten about Debo samuel and then he had obviously a historical season and talk about if he could stay healthy what are we going to see and I think we I think we saw uh what what Debo Samuel is obviously very capable of the season in, in a historical year throughout the regular season and obviously the postseason run as well too when he um when he went down there I think it was well quite the hits obviously in that Rams game but we talked about last game or last week in our prep was if San Francisco didn't have Debo I think the, the game was a complete write-off and and Rams could have kind of ran away with it, but you said he's 17.9 points pedestrian, but I think that's obviously comparable to what he's put up this year. Like he still mm-hmm. was a very, very key, key cog in the San Francisco, in the San Francisco offense there. And I think uh, it'd be interesting to see what type of transactions they make in this off season to, uh, to maybe surround that offense and obviously maybe a QB change, but um, are they going to invest in running backs? What are they going to do with their running backs? Are they going to invest in wide receivers? Are they actually going to move them there? It's going to be interesting to follow that along and then see obviously what his draft capital is going to be in the upcoming season. Armin, your uh, set of the week. All right. So after Debo and cup, there wasn't actually a ton of guys who, who uh, impressed me that much. So I, I went with Joe Mixon kind of for um, same reason. I picked a few guys during the playoffs here, not necessarily the points he put up, but what he did when it mattered most uh um so far this uh postseason he's the only running back that's produced anything really of value the um they've got a few touchdowns here and there but not a lot of yardage and the 
the efficiency is awful, but uh, Mixon put up 12.8 points this week. He had 88 rushing yards and 27 receiving yards. Um, P. Ryan kind of overshadowed him by getting that one receiving touchdown, but um, in the end of the game, Mixon was taking uh, some long runs there to kind of ice the game for Cincy, and um, that made him a stud to me. He, uh, and he got uh, vultured by a Pirine touchdown there. That's kind of deflated him a little bit. And but he uh, he actually looked good. Man, he had such a good season too. You look yeah. at you look at his overall finish, and you look at um, what he's historically been into. What he was able to do this season, he's a guy that I think uh, get needs to, deserves a little bit more respect than what he's gotten so far. I think personally. Yeah, I think he he'd be a guy worth targeting this off season. He's probably um he was a quiet season this year, right? He didn't put up any huge huge games, but he was consistent and everything. Um I'm I'm definitely looking at maybe trying to purchase him this off season and try and get him before uh before that Cincinnati offense really does explode. How many more from flipping the cap a little bit in dynasty? Obviously, Armin's mentioning there, but how many more years do you think he has of of we'll call elite or at least or running back one status? Because he's what twenty five now. Yeah, he's twenty five. He, he entered the league at twenty one though, didn't he? Yeah, so he seems older than he is, right? But he's he's twenty five right now. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of tread on his tires, right? Because he's had injury seasons, so. You know, I could see him being one of those RBs and with his playing style where he, he doesn't get like hit a whole ton and they're kind of that offense kind of protects him a bit. And and he's uh, in the passing game is pretty big part of their game as well. I could see maybe playing up to his 30, 30 year old season at a pretty elite level. If they, especially if, well these next couple of years could be really telling if they invest in, in the running or in the uh, offensive line. I read a report that was like, Oh yeah, they're going to go crazy in draft season and draft offensive line. But where this position of this team is at, I don't know if I would be drafting offensive line. I think I'd be attacking probably the top ones in the, in the free agent market personally, because you just made it to the Super Bowl. Who's to tell you you can't do it again next year. So you're going to yeah. be a pretty intriguing team in that market. So if there's some really, really, uh, talented uh, offensive lineman there I would be I'd be targeting them because you might not get them on the cheaper side but they might be able to take a little bit of a maybe a discount of some sort because you got a chance to win a Super Bowl around a a fun team and and around a um, I would call a division that's uh, that is up for grabs in season in season out yeah use the Kansas City Chief model go after the best uh guard and free agency and then go after the uh the best tackle in the uh it's the trade market right yeah yeah it's gonna be man this this i think i say this every off season but this is gonna be such a fun, fun <laughs> season like, with with the teams with how young they are and able to make some moves and like i would say a couple positions away and then obviously with the carousel quarterbacks that we can be seeing here and and the quote-unquote changing of the guard, some of these older quarterbacks that are retiring or or are on their final leg, and these young quarterbacks are coming in and taking over the league, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun offseason, but it's gonna be a long offseason because I, it hasn't come to fruition yet or come to reality for me that in two weeks we're gonna be done football for a while for a while. So that's gonna gonna be a tough realization uh, come February fourteenth. And fellas, get this on uh, overthecap.com. 
they have the Bengals as having the third most available cap space in the league. That's dangerous. They have 36 players signed, which is quite a bit lower than most teams. Most teams have mid-40s, but that is still a mountain of money that uh, even Heath Ledger's Joker would be jealous of. (laughs) And you look at, like, Jamar Chase can be on rookie contract for four more years. Obviously, they'll be picking up his fifth-year option. Uh, You look at T. Higgins, he's got three more years on his rookie contract. Joe Burrow's got three more years on his rookie contract. Like, they're going to have some money to play with for a few years. That's the scary thing, right? If, That's why they yeah. can invest in an O-line is because – and they might as well invest in a stronger O-line and invest in their weaknesses because they got those studs locked up for a little while cheap. Yeah, and it's going to be, man. I mean, we've talked about lots of young, fun team to, to watch. Um, going into uh, our DFS here, but before we get to that point – just want to talk about limitless gear as we're recording here. I've noticed that Armin is wearing his nice flannel. I noticed that at work. I'm um, hoping maybe we can get uh, maybe a flannel or a hat or something like that in the uh, in the uh, prize pool for our Super Bowl stuff going on there. But um, if we talked about their uh, we talked about our venue, um, Rock Trout Event Center. If you take two steps down off Central Avenue, you're going to find yourself at Limitless Gear. So. Uh, two birds, one stone. Might as well hit up a limitless gear on your way to the Super Bowl party on uh, February 13th. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much for free. Uh, it's a brand about bettering yourself and believing possibilities are endless if you set your mind to it. Uh, we say it every single week. Don't just take our word for it. Take uh, take the several satisfied customers uh, sweeping Saskatchewan big time. Uh, I know the message is awesome. The product is awesome. And if you've had the opportunity to meet Cody, uh, he's a very interesting guy. And, uh, and he's created a really awesome product that uh, he's very, very proud to, uh, to have started and to have be backing here as, uh, as we are happy to have him on board with the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast here. So uh, if you have some free time, check them out online or at Central Avenue and then take about six more steps north and you'll, uh, and you'll be at Rock Trail Cafe and you'll be watching the Super Bowl with us on February 13th. So keep that in the back of your mind uh, in the next week or two. Um, recapping our DFS, we don't obviously have one here coming up this next week with the Pro Bowl, uh, but we'll recap our championship Sunday and we'll have one more DFS to take care of come Super Bowl Sunday. So Zach and sneaks ahead here in another really tight one. Uh, Zach was the winner with 118.5 points. Uh, I finished in second with 114.88. Uh, so about, uh, give or take three or so points behind. And then about four points behind Armin finished in third, with 110.28. So we had a real tight barn burner this week. Uh, I know Armin cashed in one DFS. Uh, I needed the pick for the Rams to cash and I got it. And then Matthew Stafford taking knees got me out of the cash by about point, point of a point. Uh, but it was a fun DFS and this one was a barn burner. So we're sitting at Zach with eight points, Jordan with six and Armin with four with one to go. So it's a tight race for first and it's a tight race for last, but Zach can, uh, Zach can go to sleep easy at night now, knowing that he's not going to have to spin the wheel. For <laughs> no last more night. McDoubles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll, you know we'll what? I'm real sad that this was my best performance yet in our, uh, our three Oh six one. And, Yet I still lost, you know. That was my highest point total. Can't this, pull it out. Jeez. This next one's gonna be interesting because it's a little bit different than the standard one. It's obviously the 
your team captain, they call it, where you get one and a half points uh, in comparison to your normal points. So we'll go into that a little bit on the next episode, but uh, there's a lot up at stake for the Super Bowl one. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop on the next episode. But uh, Zach in first, Jordan's in second, and Armin's in third, just the same as we finished on our previous week. Now, our final segment of the episode, uh, we're going to be introducing the 306 Fantasy Awards. So going over a handful of awards we have, um, and, and obviously we have four nominees for each of the awards. We're going to be posting these up on our social media here this next week, and we're going to be having you, the listeners, and then us else, we're going to be voting on them as well. Uh, who we think should win this award and then what we're going to do is we are going to uh we're going to post uh, the winners and we'll go over those next week on episode number 40 so uh the very first uh, very first award here uh armin is going to introduce the first 306 fantasy award of the 2021 season the uh nominations for the biggest bust award are saquon barkley of the New York Giants, Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears, Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders, and DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the biggest bust award is for the player who was who performed the lowest compared to their expectations. So the farthest down. Um, with Saquon Kwan, you have him drafted at an ADP of 1.08 RB8 overall. So he's being the eighth RB off the board. And he finished the season at RB32. Allen Robinson, he was being drafted round three, pick six, and as wide receiver 11th. And he finished the season as wide receiver 88. Darren Waller was being drafted second round, 11th pick, and he finished and as tight end number two overall, and he finished tight end 17. DeAndre Hopkins was round two, um, pick six on average, and he was being drafted as the fifth wide receiver off the board. And I was scrolling down, and I actually couldn't find him on the sheet. He was pretty much a non-factor this season. Um, besides a few games near the beginning of the season that he was able to play. Um, now, you'll notice these names have a bunch of different reasons as to why they may have been bust. Saquon, Waller, Hopkins, all injury um, prone this season. They missed a lot of games due to the injury, um, or they just, with Barkley as well, didn't perform quite up to what you would expect from him. Um, and same with Waller, even though he started, started hot, he um, didn't have as many strong games throughout the season. And then you go look at Robinson, who I think he didn't miss a game this season. Correct me if I'm wrong here, fellas. Um, but he, uh, he just, he didn't perform again, wide receiver 88 being number 11 off the board. So um, trying to stay unbiased here, not tell you guys which way I'm voting on it. So uh, pick which one you think is the biggest bust this year um, and have at her. I'm just going to take a look at this. I think Robinson missed three weeks. Yeah, he missed weeks 10, 11, 12, 13. Okay, so I was wrong, but he still played enough of the season to be a factor if he uh, was not injured. Zach, uh, I think I know the answer to this one, but which one of these four burnt you the most? Uh, well... I have the unique distinction of having uh, Saquon Barkley in every dynasty league I'm in, as well as Scott Fish. So 
<laughs> Without question, Saquon Barkley. See, I thought you were going Darren Waller. I, I knew you had him in quite a few uh, redraft leagues too. So I like yes, yeah. Who, uh, who Darren Waller, Barrett? I had him in a lot of leagues this year. See, I only had Saquon in Scott Fish. That's the only league I had him in. But I had Allen Robinson in a couple leagues, and I have Hopkins in a couple leagues. And the one league that I'm thin at receiver, I have Hopkins and Robinson in the same league. So it's huh. it's a it's a toss up here. You got to remember too, guys. Like we're uh, we're invested in this just the same as you guys are. We feel the burns just as bad as you guys. So we'll be throwing our picks out there and throwing some shade at some of these guys too that burnt us throughout the fantasy season. That's that's for damn sure. Yeah, you um, know Robinson and Hopkins, I didn't touch at all this season because I was weary of them. Um, so they were being drafted before I was willing to touch them. So. For me, they're they're not that big of a bust, but for other people, you might have been hype on Hopkins. Um, a lot of people were they were drafting him early second, right? So he definitely could have burnt a lot of people. I was still high on Hopkins because I was, I was high on that offense still. Like I like we and you talked about we we were very high on Murray going into the season too. Yeah. Uh, the next award here, waiver wire stud. Uh, Zach, do you want to take this one? Sure thing. So the waiver wire studs are the players that were likely undrafted in a standard eight team, 10 team, even maybe a 12 team redraft league. And these are the guys that in some cases it was after week one or week two, that when they were picked up off the waiver wire ended up being a, in some cases, an every week start on your, on your team that would have led you to a great deal or likely would have led you to a great deal of success early on or throughout your season. Um, And the nominees for this award are Elijah Mitchell running back for the 49ers, uh, Cordell Patterson running back slash receiver for the Falcons, Dalton Schultz tight end for the Dallas Cowboys and Hunter Renfro wide receiver for the Vegas Raiders. Um, each of these guys had a pretty strong season considering many of them went undrafted in most leagues. Um, and for different reasons, um, going into the regular season, Mitchell was at best, I'm sure in most people's minds, number three on the Niners depth chart. Um, it wasn't until after the injury to Mostert, uh, in week one, and then him leapfrogging Sermon. Uh, during that game that Mitchell got any type of production and he was able to sustain that production for most of the season, um, only relenting a little bit of the rushing work to Samuel uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, Patterson, I don't think anybody saw this coming, um, especially not at running back. They had Mike Davis, who they refused seemingly to replace in the off season at running back. And for the most part, Patterson was listed as a wide receiver on many websites. And uh, looking back at some data from the start of the year, it looks like the Patterson was ranked as the anywhere from the 237th to the 264th player, uh, according to fantasy pros for ADP. Um, but once he started getting that, uh, that rushing work and the playing as a running back, he really flourished in that offense, uh, Dalton Schultz, steady Eddie, 
uh, certainly continue to outproduce Blake Jarwin at the tight end position in Dallas. And then Hunter Renfro, uh, somebody that from week one was getting a lot of targets. Uh, week one, nine targets. Week two, seven targets. Week two or week three, six. And throughout that season, it wasn't until week 16 that he had fewer than five targets. Uh, this is somebody that really came up big for you. Um, if you waited for him in your draft, or if you were smart enough to pick him up off the waiver wire, um, I know on this pod and on several other pods, lots of people were uh, after week one talking about Mitchell and Patterson. Who do you put your money on uh, for Fab? And if you were able to get either of those two players, I'm sure uh, that lottery ticket paid off. Uh, and I'm sure you were in a good spot come playoff time. Yeah, those are those are four guys. I'm sure if you looked at a lot of teams that either won championships or were in the playoffs, I'm sure those four were on a lot of teams. That's uh, that's mm-hmm. that could be confirmed by I'm sure a lot of people. Um, well, here's a little uh, fun fact about Schultz here, or fun stat. He finished tight end three. He had 208.8 half point PPR points. That if he was a wide receiver, that would put him at wide receiver ten. So. Um, not only was he high in the tight end rankings, but he was high in just points overall. And I think that's, I think wide receiver 10 is exactly where Renfro finished, wasn't it? He was either 10 or 11, I think, in half point um, PPR scoring. On the, on uh, what I'm looking at right now, it's Mike Williams was wide receiver 10. Um, Renfro 15. In half point PPR? Yeah. I was going to say, because I think I, <laughs> I was going to say, I thought I had him on uh, as 11 with uh, 200 and what do you have? 207 PPR, half point PPR, right in front of DK Metcalf at 206. Disregard, <laughs> regardless, not a great season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my award here that I'm going to be taking care of is our third award for the 306 Fantasy Football Awards night here. And uh, this award is going to be going to the biggest week of the fantasy season. So uh, the biggest week of the fantasy season is kind of uh, pretty self-explanatory here. It goes towards a player who had um, one of the biggest performances throughout the season, not only in the NFL, but in fantasy football as well. Uh, So the the nominees for this award, uh, the first nominee is Jonathan Taylor, running back from the Indianapolis Colts during week 11. Uh, A little fun fact about that one is when we showcased Jonathan Taylor in our Canadian uh, Canadian player profile by or sell. And I think it was a top five running back, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and in a Thursday night, he obviously dunked on Zach for a W for me and Harmon with 51.9 fantasy points. And I think it was at that point, it really kicked off Jonathan Taylor season. And it was um, a pretty, a pretty impressive finish from that point on for, for Jonathan Taylor and the rest of the season. Uh, so that is our first nominee. Second nominee was during championship week number 17, Jamar Chase from the Cincinnati Bengals put up 50.1 points. Uh, Very, very impressive uh, week regardless, but to be able to do it in championship week, if you had them in your starting lineup, uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that did not win with uh, Jamar Chase in the starting lineup. Uh, The nominee number three is the quarterback throwing him the ball, but in week number 16 to get you to the finals, uh, Joe Burrow finished with 46.1 fantasy points in week number 16. 
um, had an impressive, impressive week. We're going to talk about him in another, um, another award shortly. Um, but two bangles here for this nomination. And our final nomination is Travis Kelsey in the quarterfinal action of week 15. Uh, tight end number one on the week, receiving 41.1 fantasy points. So four nominations. Um, one, maybe because he had the largest numerical value of points, but it was in the middle of the fantasy season, week number 11. The other three all having their own uh, significant amount of points but all within different parts of the fantasy playoffs. So not only putting up big numbers, but in big moments as well uh, for your fantasy team. So four, four nominees, all four deserving. Uh, that'll be up to you guys to decide. Our fantasy football award number four, uh, Armin, take this one away. All right. Award number four is the Playoff Hero Award. This award um, goes to a player based on their performance, from week 15, 16, and 17. Um, they're the player that uh, helped you win the championship. They're the reason that you might have won um, the chip in your league. It's important to look at this from a few different angles because um, the four players that we have for nominations here all came from different, came on this list for different reasons. It could be um, they were somebody that you picked up late in the season that were able to get you um, points when you needed them. Um, they could be giving you a positional advantage during the playoff run, or it could just be that they put up big numbers. All right. So um, nomination number one is my guy, Rashad Penny um, from Seattle running back. He was for week 15. Um, that, that wasn't a great performance for him in the quarterfinals for you. He was RB number 42. But then for 16 and 17, he was RB9 and RB1, respectively. Um, so he got stronger as the playoffs went on for you. And if you had him during championship week, you had RB1 um, for, for cheap because you most people, if you had him in your roster, you picked him up late in the season, maybe even off free agency if waiver wires already went through. I know, I think I, I'm pretty sure I got him in one league for free. Um, Next guy is Amon Ray St. Brown, Jordan's guy here um, from Detroit, wide receiver. Um, week 15, he was wide receiver six. Uh, 16, he was wide receiver seven. And then in week 17, he was wide receiver two. Much like the Rashad Penny story, right? He heated up as uh, the season went on and he finished really strong for everyone. And you probably got him for real cheap off the waiver wire or maybe even as a free agent for, for nothing at all. Um, so again, those two guys are guys that uh, were, were cheap for you and you're able to put them in your starting lineup and, and maybe get you a bit of an advantage late in the season when you might have injuries holding you down. Um, the third nominee is Joe Burrow, quarterback for Cincinnati. Um, week 15, much like Rashad Penny, he wasn't as strong. He was QB number 17. Um, and then weeks 16 and 17, he was or QB number one for both those weeks. Um, and he put up monster games those week with 40 point or he didn't, both those games are over 40 points for him. Um, so, um, he gave you a little bit of a positional advantage, I think in those weeks, 
Um, but he may not uh, have gotten you past the quarterfinal if uh, you were in tough that week, right? Um, the last nomination is Mark Andrews, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. He was consistent all throughout the playoffs, tight end number two, number one, and number three, weeks 15, 16, 17. Um, I think it was that tight end number one week he went off, didn't he, boys? It was, let's look at this here. He had, oh, 26 points. Let's see here. Travis Kelsey was the one who went crazy. That's uh, week 15. Yeah, week 15, Travis Kelsey went bananas. But uh, Mark Andrews wasn't far behind him with 35 points. So even though he wasn't tight end one that week, right, he still put up a big performance. And then the week he was tight end three, um, there was just nothing going for tight ends that week. He, uh, He put up 14 points and the highest tight end was 21. And then tight end two was Rob Gronkowski at 18. So Fanton Gronk beat him out that week, um, which were, um, depending on, on the roster you were playing, those guys didn't really, uh, especially Fant didn't really take anyone to the finals. I don't think. It's uh, (laughs) I'm going to, yeah, it's, it's interesting because they all have the reasons why you could vote for them. Right. But um, not many of them, made the made the presence where they got you through each individual rounds um but it, it's interesting to see that um a few of them were guys that you could have picked up off waiver wires at some point in the season too so uh, yeah definitely definitely interesting to look at some guys that weren't even close to on your raiders at the radars at the start of the season or at the middle of the season but then all of a sudden you're making your push down the final season you're putting all your eggs in this basket of this guy you would have scoffed at <laughs> at the start of the year kind of like zach and i scoffed at you at your rashad penny take but here we are talking about as a, as a playoff MVP. So Woo! put a little feather in the cap there for Armand on that one. But uh, thank you, our, thank you. our next award here, Zach will take care of this one. Uh, it's our fifth award on the evening. So this is the draft day sleeper award. Uh, a draft day sleeper is somebody that uh, is drafted in the later rounds, is not a, a premier pick. And then by season ends has far outproduced their draft day capital. Um, the four nominees are running back Leonard Fournette. Uh, he was drafted as the running back 33 with an ADP of 8.02. Uh, James Connor, uh, running back 36, uh, come draft day, and he was the nine or second pick of the ninth round and then the other two are wide receiver Debo Samuel who was drafted as wide receiver 35 uh ADP of 7.10 and then Cooper Cup who was drafted as wide receiver 18 uh at an ADP of 4.09 uh all four of these guys slammed their um draft a value their draft a adp and leonard Fournette finished as the running back seven on the season and james connor finished as the running back five on the season and then at receiver uh cooper cup was the number one receiver on the year and then Debo samuel was right behind him as the number two wide receiver on the season um you can't really go wrong uh, claiming either of the or any of these guys as the draft day sleeper winner. 
Um, really, if you got any of these guys at their draft day price, I'm sure you are or you were in a good position rather uh, come playoff time. And I'm sure many of them won you money. Once again, you look at these teams, not only on your on your championship team, but a lot of your playoff teams, I would uh, definitely imagine uh, as well. Um, our final award uh, for the evening is the fantasy MVP. So the, the player that factoring in um, draft position, factoring in uh, finish, factoring in big games, all those types of things. Uh, who was the most valuable player you could have possibly owned in fantasy football this season? Uh, so four nominees. Uh, the first one is Cooper Cup, uh, whom Zach had mentioned was drafted kind of in the middle to late end of that fourth round. Uh, he finished as the clear-cut wide receiver one, uh, averaging out 21.6 points per game. Um, then behind him, we also have Debo Samuel, who finished out as the wide receiver two on the season with 18.8 points per game, but with an ADP of about three rounds lesser. So factoring that in, uh, once again, similar production as Cooper Cup with the big game production, but averaging about three points less per game, which is extremely impressive. Uh, then we have the running back number one on the season, Jonathan Taylor, uh, who was averaging 20.8 points per game, uh, was a clear-cut RB1 on the season and had monstrous weeks throughout the year. And then our final nominee is the tight end one on the season, Mark Andrews, who averaged 14.6 points per game and finally surpassed Travis Kelsey for what I think has now been five years in a row as tight end one. Uh, we have a new tight end one in town. That is Mark Andrews, the tight end from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, there's arguments to be made for all four of these guys. Um, all four had very uh, incredible seasons. They draft capital, big games, all those types of things put into play. Uh, are going to be what's maybe sets these four apart at who may be the fantasy MVP for the 2021 season. Um, so I know we'll be putting in our votes to see, and we'll be, re re uh, we'll be showing, sharing these results here on our next episode. Um, but it's just a fun way to recap the season and kind of put things in perspective about um, where we started from and, and how some of these players got to the position they were at in this season. So anything to share fellows before we wrap this one up and, and enjoy uh, the Pro Bowl week and then get ourselves ready to rock and roll for Super Bowl next week. That was it's always uh, fun to do this type of this type of episode and looking back and really seeing how, you know, maybe a surefire slam dunk at the start of the year and Darren Waller or Hopkins really cratered, but then a guy that nobody saw coming, like uh, Cordell Patterson, really glue up and, and came through for a lot of teams. Armin, I agree, you, had a, Zach. you had a comment? Yeah, I agree, Zach. Like, it's it's fun to look back at the season like this and, and be reflective, too. Um, but being reflective, it can make us a, a stronger fantasy manager um, for the next year as well, kind of looking at uh, what what you could have done differently come draft day, um, what kind of things we should be looking for, maybe see if there was things that hinted at these guys to – to be what they were and and also kind of shows us the importance of the waiver and the, the waiver wire not only at the beginning of the season but the end of the season with our playoff heroes as well like we like we said at the start of the year you don't win your season at the draft right the draft sets the foundation and and an active manager is what gets you over the hump and and um like uh, armin's armin's award there 
those players you definitely didn't draft. So those are the players that an active active manager got to carry to you uh, to a championship. So um, that's going to do it for episode number 39. Uh, pay attention to social media here. We'll have these awards out there for you coming up shortly. Also, we'll be sharing some information on the uh, Super Bowl party as well uh, coming in two weeks time and a chance to win some awesome prizes during Super Bowl props bet as well, too. So that'll take care of episode 39. Next week, the big 4-0, episode number 40, and we got the Super Bowl around the corner. So stay tuned for that, everybody. Stay warm out there. Get those shovels ready to rock and roll and enjoy a week of uh, the Pro Bowl and then the the, the big dance coming the, the week following. So take care, everybody. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.